Wise Turtle Speaks is a series of offerings merging philosophy, physics, math, biology, psychology, sociology, education, art, politics, and even love together. We will explore the patterns of our consciousness as it moves through space and time and use those patterns to better understand and solve our problems in all four dimensions of the universe. Namaste. Hello. This isn't going to be your typical love discussion, Valentine's Day special. This is going to be a philosophically challenging one, of course, coming from the wise turtle, uh, a.k.a. Turtle. That's me. Actually, the wise turtle is just a part of me. It's this little bit in my prefrontal cortex. Um, it's not the whole me. The whole me is much messier and ridiculous and stupid and <laughs> goofy and clumsy uh, The uh, than, than that little bit of prefrontal cortex, which I call the wise turtle. Just just so you know, you've got a little wise somebody in there, too. Uh, everybody does. Everybody human, anyway. <laughs> okay, so I am not going to cliche title this love your enemies or love thine enemies or whatever the original phrase is. Uh, but I am going to mention that because that is what this is essentially about. This is going to be a discussion that uh, expresses my love for you in the way that I believe love is all about. What is love about? Now, a lot of people think that uh, love is about, oh, when you're comfortable with someone. When it's just, when it's easy to be with someone, it's easy to be around them, you're so similar to them, uh, it, it just makes you comfortable and it allows you to relax, you know, as compared to the rest of the world, which is so different and challenging and dangerous and scary and annoying and frustrating and whatnot. Um, and that's certainly nice to have friendships like that. But that's not love, as far as I'm concerned. Love is something much deeper and much darker and much more dangerous. Which is why I've come to to a point in my life where I'm able to love my enemies. Um, now, what does that mean? What does love your enemies mean? Well, I'm not sure what they meant in the original statement, but um, I, I understand the whole Christian perspective um, and see, of course, how modern Christianity most often is entirely against <laughs> the idea of of Jesus Christ's statement of love thy enemies um, and the whole premise that seems to be proposed there. Um, I'm going to go on my own version because I don't really understand that fully, but, you know, I'm going to guess that it's pretty similar. Now, there are obviously many different levels of love and many different kinds of love, and our bodies produce pleasurable uh, hormones, chemicals, whatever you want to call them, um, in the brain and body for a variety of different reasons. 
And all of those can be called love. And, you know, if you go and look in the literature, of course, you find many different terms. You know, there's the hedonistic love, there's lust, there's eros, and um, oh, so many other different words, um, especially Greek words for some reason. <laughs> I guess they liked to write their, their Greek poems about love. Um, but the love I'm going to talk about is the is the deeper, uh, more uh, romantic love that lasts. So this is a combination probably of all of the above kinds of hormones in the body. It, it, it's probably the culmination of different stages and then reaching a crescendo of a long-term companionship. And um, I want to read you a quick in a quick little note that I just I just read in um, the Guardian, the uh, British newspaper, the Guardian, or internet paper, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it is written by a person called Aaron Balik or Balik, B A L I C K, and he is described as a clinician and cultural theorist. And he uses contemporary psychoanalysis, blah, blah, blah. And is the author of The Psychodynamics of Social Networking. I have no idea who this person is. But I liked this quote um, on love. Uh, Many think that love is always being on the same page with our partner, feeling romantic and living in harmony. Threats to these experiences can feel like obstacles that get in the way of love. But love is as much about the obstacles as it is about the bliss. I'm going to read that line again. Love is as much about the obstacles as it is about the bliss. He goes on to say, love is accepting difference, recovering from conflict and tolerating discord. Fundamentally, love is allowing your partner to be entirely who they are. Even when their very being needles you to the core, it is a profound acceptance of the personhood of your lover while dropping your need for them to be anything different. Yes, it's a tall order, but who who said it was going to be easy? Um, Where he says that uh, love is accepting difference, recovering from conflict and tolerating discord. I think it is crucial that we learn to understand this because um, just being comfortable with someone doesn't move a relationship forward. It's static. It's being stuck in a rut. You know, it's a fairly comfortable rut, but it's still a rut. It doesn't move you anywhere. Um, there's a there's a concept in uh, in uh, complexity theory, mathematics, sort of uh, computers, all of this sort of combined um, of the random walk, uh, which is a way of discovering things. And if you imagine a uh, sort of rolling hills and mountains and valleys, sort of an, a, a region, a geographical region that has all of these peaks and valleys and plateaus and flats and everything. And if you want to find the highest peak, for example, if you want to find the Mount Everest of wherever you are, um, you can't just stay in one comfortable location. You know, if you find find one place that's that's, you know, 
fairly comfortable, it's kind of high, and you just stick there, you're never going to get anything better. You're just going to stay there forever. It's going to be, you know, okay, but, you know, you're never going to grow. You're never going to get any higher. Um, nothing will improve. Um, but, of course, with leaving that comfortable space means you are that, that comfortable plateau of wherever you found that seems kind of high, but, you know, you have no idea what else is out there. Um, if you leave that, you, you are pretty much guaranteed to, to drop in your comfortable level of wherever you are. Uh, you're, you're guaranteed to go down at some point if you leave where you are. But you're also guaranteed to not grow if you stay where you are. So there are a couple of different options for finding the highest peak um, in, this, in this system, in this geography. Um, and part of that involves randomness, but also part of that involves um, intentionality and, and moving, you know, actually working at climbing more hills. And this is the same, this is, this is a mathematical description of any kind of growth process where there is uncertainty. Um, and that is, of course, entirely true of love. Um, if you've seen, I believe her name is Hannah Fry's uh, TED Talk. Um, it was a wonderful TED Talk on the mathematics of love. Um, she also apparently has a new podcast radio show or something out. I, I just actually heard her on the BBC radio early this morning at like 3 a.m. Um, when I was awake for a little bit. Um, and... So, so this sort of mathematical process is, is what our brains do when we're trying to grow, when we're trying to, to get something, learn something new, get something better. So if we apply this to our own relationships, our you know, romantic relationships, of course, um, but in any relationship, in order to grow, we not only have to accept, and this is the randomness part, we have to accept the reality of the individual who we're interacting with at the moment, whoever is around us. Uh, we have to accept the fact that they are who they are. They are doing what they are doing. They are no, neither better nor worse than what they are right now, which means accepting wherever you are on this, you know, if you've left your plateau, you have to accept the fact that whatever's in front of you is what is there. And it could be better, it could be worse than, than where you were before, but it is what it is. So there's the randomness, the uncertainty that you have to accept the individual for who they are right here and right now. And they may change, and they may have been different in the past, but right here, right now, they are what they are. And so that's the randomness part. And then the work part, the, uh, the conscious effort part, is the part where we actively seek to challenge ourselves to move upward, to improve ourselves and our relationships and our interactions. And that is where the danger and the challenge come in all relationships. Um, that is where it takes work. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. There, there will be conflict. There will be fights and arguments and disagreements and annoyances and frustrations and the only way to Im 
improve the relationship. And the only way to even improve ourselves, our status in life, our state, uh, is to keep going. When we hit those valleys, when we hit those negative states of, you know, unfortunateness and challenge and disgruntledness, uh, we have to keep going. We have to keep moving and not stay there, not dwell in the low places, but keep moving forward, keep pushing through, not pushing at, but pushing through the, the frustration and the, and the annoyances. And, you know, we actually have to put effort into this, into relationships. And while, of course, this is true in romantic relationships uh, that are easy, you know, if, if you have a, you know, if you're just starting to date someone, uh, that's when their, our chemistry actually kind of turns down the annoyance notch. Uh, we have these hormones that are kind of like turning down the, uh, the turning up the, the happy hormones and turning down the, the uh, easily frustrated hormones. And so it's really simple when we first get together. That's why they call it new relationship energy, you know, because it's, it's you know, it's like taking heroin or whatever, cocaine, some sort of upper. Uh, it makes you, you know, not pay attention to the reality, the sort of balance of reality and only pay attention to how awesome everything is. <laughs> um, but of course, as time goes on, you know, the reality, the hormones, you know, recede and, and reality sets in and, and you have to deal with the fact that, you know, these are, this is a normal human being who has, you know, valleys and peaks inside themselves and through their lives just like you do and that sometimes your valleys are going to line up and you're both going to be miserable and sometimes your peaks will line up and you'll both be very happy and in between you know one of you will be miserable and the other one will be happy and vice versa and a lot of times both of you will be sort of just in the middle you know struggling along so that relationship is true whether or not you are in a romantic relationship or in a in a pure enemy relationship. For example, um, there has been some, there've been some challenging issues recently, um, around here where a, a, uh, an el older gentleman, um, a creative poet, uh, type guy was walking down the street, leaving, he was going from the library to his house to where he lives and a police officer, a state trooper, um, nearly hit him, apparently, and then pulled over to blame him for her, her you know, lack of awareness and, and careful and, and clearly lack of careful driving. Um, and then blamed him and, and asked him the most ridiculous questions about whether or not he was carrying any, he had anything that he, quote, shouldn't have, and repeatedly asked him that and asked him how long he'd lived in Maine and so on and so forth. Um, and now there are complaints of uh, race, racial profiling because this man was black and uh, African-American and he was uh, in Maine, which has very few African-Americans, especially in this area. I think I can count on two fingers the number of African-Americans who live around here that I'm aware of. Maybe three. Actually, there are three. And two of them are kids. Um, uh, not including this guy who just moved into town. So now there are four in this area. 
far as I know. And so, and, and then the gentleman who was pulled over was very traumatized by this. Um, you know, he's just moved into town and, and he's struggling anyway, because, you know, this whole area is fairly challenging just in general and in many, many ways, socially, transportationally, uh, resource wise, everything. Um, and so I've sort of gotten involved a little bit and written a couple things, wrote a letter to the editor and, uh, and the police are totally defending, uh, the, the officer's actions without any sort of, you know, consolation, without any sort of empathy or, or even humanity. And people are jumping on Facebook and defending the police officers and saying that they were only, you know, he, he brought it on himself. He was walking down the road at night and he shouldn't have been doing that and blah, blah, blah. And she was just protecting his safety, which, which was absolutely ridiculous because, uh, she she not only was driving unsafely, but she also, when she pulled him over, she had him talk to her. She pulled over onto the onto the basically in the middle of the road, um, and had him stand in the middle of the road while cars were going by while she interrogated him. Uh, now he could have told her to move, but he was obviously stressed out, and she was clearly ignorant of the fact that he was standing in the middle of the road. She was forcing him to stand in the middle of the road. Uh, to interrogate him. So she was clearly entirely unconcerned for his safety, in fact, endangering him intentionally uh, by pulling, forcing him to be there. Now, of course, she probably wasn't thinking about this. She was just acting the way normal, she was normally taught to act, which is to, you know, distrust everyone else and, and look to blame people. So she obviously, you know, She's just as much a victim of the system as he is. Uh, but anyway, so the whole thing is very traumatic. And uh, for many of us, especially those of us who, A, are friends of his or care about walking or whatever, or care about the community, which has been fairly divided about this. And in this trauma, I have come to the reminder of... Um, moving through this speaking up process to get from anger to um, a clear statement of, of truth of speaking up of what I care about. And I, I recently did the process and I may actually make that a separate um, podcast uh, just to give you an example of somebody going through the speaking up process, which is not perfect, but it certainly offers a, a, a nice structure architecture for bringing emotions out and bringing some clarity to where they come from. But in doing this process, I, of course, have realized that um, the easiest way to really understand love is to try to love your enemy. Try to uh, have an understanding and compassion for the people, the individuals, animal, vegetable, mineral in your life who are, who you are afraid of, um, who, who are, you're angry at and scared of and want to either push against or push away from, which, you know, we all have these people, the people were, the, the people who we think have the power to, 
harm us or harm those we care about, those we find precious, the individual people, places, and things that we hold dear to us. You know, those those people who possibly can endanger those things we hold precious, you know, are our enemies. That's what we call enemies. Um, and if we can find a way to love those individuals, and by love, I mean accepting them, you know, both accepting them for who they are, where they are in their lives and, you know, their, their state of, of being, that's the randomness, and also the work, putting in the work to move the relationship, move ourselves forward, given that reality of, you know, who's our, our interactions of, you know, whether we're in a valley and they're in a valley or whether we're at a peak and they're at a peak, you know, of finding a way to move us to something better. And using the basic understanding of what, at least humans, this is, this works especially for humans and other animals um, and plants, anything alive uh, in the, the biological sense, it certainly works really well for, um, and I'll post links to, to the, the basic needs, um, but the general basic needs for, for humans are um, high access to high quality food, water, air, warmth, light, and information, as well as the outlets of uh, expressing one's physical, one's um, solids, liquids, gases, and energy, you know, the bodies, the stuff that comes out of the body. So we need to input the, the high quality inputs and to be able to output the stuff that we need to output, our bodies need to express. And in order to love someone successfully, in order to move the relationship forward, we each have to have these things, you know, fairly consistently, fairly regularly, high quality. Um, and now I can guarantee that, that no human being out there right now has the access to all of these things, um, high quality versions. There's certainly plenty, there's just a plethora of crappy quality versions of these things. I mean, you go into a supermarket and, you know, um, nearly 100%, you know, it's almost not even worth saying 99.999%. It's, it's nearly 100% of the stuff in the supermarket is low quality food, if you can call it food. I mean, of, of the things that are technically food, you know, most of it is not. It is not something that will nourish your body and allow you to grow healthfully. It might allow you to, you know, grow physically as in get larger, but, you know, that won't necessarily be healthfully. Um, so helping, so, so love, the, the sort of definition of love that I use when it comes to human relationships or relationships with other biological living things, you know, dogs and cats and trees and birds, um, is increasing, is, is a shared, um, experience of increasing, uh, the, the, the ability of each individual in that relationship to get more high-quality, consistent needs met, um, the input needs and the output needs, S which is why, you know, I mean, th this, is, this is not 
something weird. This is a basic biology and it's basic sociology uh, when it comes to, you know, social animals such as us, which, you know, very regularly involve these things. They very regularly involve uh, food and, and sharing food and sharing hugs, which are warmth and taking walks in the woods together or along the beach, which, you know, is high quality air and, and expressing one's energy, you know, via, via walking physical expression of energy. And of course, sharing ideas and talking and poetry, which is sharing, you know, emotional experiences, your sort of the, the, expressions of your body that are sound and light and energy and information you know so so this is normal stuff we do and this is what you know we think of when we think of romance and and even friendships and love on a you know a parental to child scale and vice versa you know they pretty much these experiences all involve one of these basic needs either input or output one or more of these needs and so when it comes to loving one's enemies, it's the exact same thing. It means taking this, this, doing the work, accepting these individuals for who they are, because that is the reality. This is their, their biological and environmental makeup got them to where they are now. So, you, you, you know, scientifically, that's just what it is. That is the reality. That is the way the universe makes things. Uh, has made the things up to this point. So accepting this arbitrary, random individual who's in front of you who may be pissing you off royally <laughs> in the sense of, you know, threatening or harming something that you hold dear. Uh, so there's the randomness. And then the work is finding ways to improve the relationship by helping them as well as yourself, not one or the other, but helping the, the relationship as a whole move forward using these basic needs. Again, if it's not a human, if it's not a biological animal, you know, then you're working with your computer, I suppose you can love your computer. And a lot of people say they love their cars. And, you know, so what is that? What, what does loving your car mean? That means working on it um, so that it, it, functions better, which improves your ability to, you know, express yourself and move around and so on and so forth. So loving one's enemy is the same thing as loving the people who are, you are in a romantic relationship with, who oftentimes, you know, pisses off more than anybody else because we're with them so much and we get to know them so deeply that, you know, even the slightest bit of frustration can be amplified by the fact that, you know, we're, we love them and we don't want them to be harmed and we don't want them to harm us. And so it, we take it as much more personally, of course, if things go, go badly and there are challenges and harm being done in a relationship. But loving one's enemies is, in fact, the same process. There are just probably going to be fewer uh, lusty hormones going on <laughs> in the one's body when, when, you know, when I'm interacting with the, the state trooper Facebook page, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really interested in, you know, hanging out with them in any sort of close physical quarters, 
cuddling up to them. Uh, instead, it's all about the intellectual and emotional and spiritual levels of wanting to have a relationship with the uh, the government and with the individuals around me who might be carrying a gun, for example, or driving a deadly weapon, aka a car. Um, so I want to improve the relationship uh, with my enemies just as well as with my lover. And doing that involves me putting in the effort to improve both of our lives and our abilities to get our needs met, as well as accepting them for exactly who they are, where they are, and what they are right now. And that's true for the man I love, my, my beloved David. I accept him entirely for who he is and what he's doing uh, right now and right here, even though it may not be what I like, what I want. Um, I still want to improve our relationship and make sure that we both have what we need to be healthy. And that is the same true for that police officer who nearly hit a guy and then blamed him and harassed him, interrogated him and made him feel scared just to literally walk down the street to his home from the library. And I wish this is something that other people would understand and would be able to work on as well. And I would love to share those ideas with you on how to maybe make this, improve this process of, of loving one's enemies as well as one's friends and uh, accepting who they are for who they are and what they are and where they are and how they are right here and right now, as well as doing the work, putting in the effort and the challenge uh, taking the risk of pushing everybody forward gently and lovingly and towards something that is better for all of us. Okay, I will leave you with that Valentine to you. And I wish you all the best here on Valentine's Day, if this hopefully goes out on Valentine's Day, or wherever, whenever and whenever you hear this. Thank you very much. Namaste.